Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you folks. I hope this uh, broadcast finds you happy and healthy and serving God and so thankful that you take this opportunity to let us come across your airwaves. We're always thankful to run into you in person when, when I'm out on the road, wherever I may be. You guys are an encouragement. Thank you for the notes. Thank you for the questions and things like that. One of the questions that came in in the last week, and we get about 40 or 50 a week. We cover most of them as part of our actual podcast, but one person wrote in and said about abuse. And uh, what she wrote and that she's willing to share is that she's a lady who had uh, been abused before and it's hurt her. And what is abuse? What does the Bible have to say about abuse? So we want to start today's podcast with that. So, uh, so we know that abuse is any interaction other than godly interaction where somebody is hurt. And uh, it can be physical. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be verbal. Uh, there's many ways to abuse people, uh, hold back food, uh, terrible things we see on TV. is just, uh, I don't even like watching the news anymore. I'm better off not having the TV on in my life. But these terrible, terrible things. And um, so abuse, when we talk about abuse, first thing we realize is uh, abuse is not part of God's plan for our life. It never has been and it never will be. God is not about abuse. God is not about uh, uh, there's a biblical plan for our lives. If you're in a marriage and you're being abused, get to your pastor. If you're being abused at a point where you're being physically or mentally hurt, uh, you know, get to that pastor. Maybe get a temporary situation where you can get away from that hurt uh, and then work as hard as you can with your biblical counselor and your pastor to get that marriage right. Sometimes, uh, you know, this is generational pastor. We see people, uh, sadly, through the generations where dad abused mom and husband abused wife or vice versa. We, we've seen this all over the place and, and we know it's against God's will. We see in Colossians three, eight, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication from your mouth. All those things are abuse. God's uh, wants the world to know to put those things away. That's not who God is. That's not God's character. That's not what we put up with. And, and, and pastor, what's your take this lady asking, you know, what's abuse? What does God have to say about it? And uh, how would we answer that? Yeah, I, I think exactly what you said, and even going to Colossians, going to Ephesians, where we see how God defines what our relationships should look like later there in, in Colossians 3.19, uh, it says after he, he says, wives, submit unto your own husbands as is fit to the Lord. He says, but husbands, love your wives. Uh, be not bitter or harsh against them. And so often we see abuse when there's a clear power differential in a relationship that you have uh, an adult and you have a child, and that adult can easily abuse that child because he's, he's stronger, he's more powerful. You have a husband and a wife. You have uh, an, an employer sometimes can use and abuse and manipulate a, an employee. And so that's where as, as Christians 
we need to use our power to, to love. Uh, as husbands, we need to love our wives. We need to live with them according to knowledge, as First Peter 4 said. We need to be the kind of, of men who are, are not harsh and abusive, but instead are using our power as a means of loving them. And um, for those who've been abused, uh, seek, seek to find people in your life who will love you, not use their power against you. Yeah, this is one of these tough things too, Pastor. I think I appreciate what you said there. It's all so true. This is one of these tough things where some of the abuse people been through, they just don't want to tell anybody. And and this is a really hard thing. If if you've been physically or mentally abused or hurt, if you're still in that situation, you need to get out of that. You know, it's okay to call the police. It's okay to uh, get adults in your life. Not as it only okay, but you know, the Bible tells us in Romans. Th- 13 that we do have a higher authority for that and that's part of god's plan mm-hmm. some of you who've been abused in the past and this is the hard part here pastor so many of these young men and young ladies have been physically abused and and molestation and those types of things and made to feel small and hurtful and their fault and they really aren't the type of people that want to share that they actually shut down and this is one of the harder things i deal with i want to get your take on this they actually shut down and don't want to tell anybody anything. And uh, what do we say to them? You know, what do we say to people who just want to shut that off? I, I think part of it is just our our culture says weak is, is bad, it's negative, and strong is what everybody aspires to, whereas the Bible actually turns it on its head and said it's God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. Uh, and so as, as a Christian, we shouldn't be unwilling to talk about our weakness. And, and, and this is where, though, we need, within the church, we need that kind of life-on-life discipleship where someone feels free to open up and say, these are the trials that I've gone through. Or as, maybe as a man, this is what I'm, I'm struggling with, with my yeah. thoughts of purity. And, and these, this is something that, that I shouldn't have done. I, I was... Uh, with a, a friend recently, a brother in Christ, who admitted, I have been an abusive, harsh husband, and that's wrong, and I need to repent of that. And so as, as you can get into a good church where you are around people that you can trust, uh, you need to, to, to be willing to admit, someone exploited my weakness, and I was not in the wrong. I, I'm the victim. There's nothing sinful about what happened to me. Uh, but share that with with someone that you can confide in, and and again be willing to, as Romans thirteen says, get the law involved and and bring that person to justice. That's that's God's will. Yeah. God's will is not for them to keep perpetrating it on other victims. Yeah, and 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 exactly what Pastor just said. We we don't have to walk this road alone. God has brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and I'll tell you, we just don't grab somebody in church to counsel with. This This is one of those things where, uh, you know, you go to the pastor, the pastor and his wife, whatever the case may be, and they, they know who you can talk to. Like, I, I'm a mm. steel trap. I mean, I, I, I sit down sometimes at dinner tables, and there's three people uh, that maybe I've counseled at that dinner table outside of a church, and nobody knows I've counseled anybody because God has given us a special uh, requirement and 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 you know honesty and integrity and those types of things you can trust your pastor so we don't want you to go out uh, you know half cocked or, or or messed up and and just grab the wrong person we want you to maybe hook up with your pastor his wife and say hey I need some help in this area and uh, I'm here to tell you 
I have never in my life shared a story of someone's consulate. I've had them get up in church and give a testimony and say, hey, you know, in one of the churches we went to, some, you know, Doug and Debbie helped, helped me in my life at a lowest point. People look at me and say, why don't you say that? Or they're, because we don't do that. So trust in God, step out in that. And then there's so many. And, and I, and I want to say this too. If, if you're fortunate enough to uh, date or be someone who's dated, who's been through those abuse, we're very discreet. We're very honest. You make, uh, you know, when you talk to a person that God has called to court you and things like that in a relationship, that's something you sit down with the pastor and stuff about and say, hey, there's been some things in my life. And that way everybody in that room knows everything stays right here in the room. And uh, that's a pretty regular thing that I help. I try to help churches with. I had a call yesterday where a pastor, a potential fiance, and a lady was in the room, and, and the gentleman had been abused as a child on several occasions, and he didn't know how to approach his wife about it, but he didn't want to uh, have that come up in the relationship or his future wife, and, uh, and God was able to use that wonderfully as a time for all of them to grow. And, and you know, making sure we don't tell the first uh, courtship date we have that we've been through these things in life we make sure that we're in the right place so I say all that that's just free counseling that's probably of no value to you but I just wanted to say that that's really important and remember that purity is not only physical we say this over and over again it's emotional and be very careful those of us who walk down that road of hypervigilance and PTSD just wanting to have those joyful things show up in our life and and, and viewing these relationships and things as as being happiness and uh, uh, but let me just say this to you, dear friends. Uh, uh, hold on to your purity, both emotional and physical, even newfound purity. Even if you've been somebody uh, that God has just recently saved and stuff, you be pure to God every day, and uh, God will honor that. And and don't let your emotions go quick. So many people uh, that I counsel with PTSD, as soon as they meet somebody, they're willing to, uh, you know, sell everything they own in life, marry them, and things of that nature. Be be prudent, uh, be wise as we go through those things. We find ourselves just a couple minutes before break, but we find ourselves with another verse here, Pastor, in uh, Proverbs 18, verse number 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth and with the increase of his lips shall be filled. And so that's one of those verses that as we read that about uh, a man's stomach, it, it's going to be satisfied. It's, uh, uh, you know, talking about the fruit of the mouth, what's coming out of your mouth, what you're producing through your lips. And um, I think it forces thought of what people are dishing out. Uh, what's, what's satisfying someone's stomach? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it harmful? Uh, I want the fruit of my mouth. Uh, I want that to be something that's good. I, I want to love people. I don't want to find harm in people. I don't want to find bad in people. My existence uh, in my life is I want to be the guy that maybe doesn't even get remembered, that's okay. But I want to be the guy to make sure that uh, a new person in church feels good because I went over and shook his hand and hugged him. I want to be the guy that if someone needs counseling, I want them to know that they're of great value to God. I want the fruit of my mouth to be something that, that's really helpful, that's of God. And I mean, what are you seeing here, Pastor, with this verse? Yeah, I, I think this is an interesting pair because you have verse 20 and verse 21 are both talking about yeah. the power of the tongue and what comes out of our mouth. It's kind of a cool uh, word picture because normally we think of uh, what comes in through our mouth is what satisfies our stomach. But here he's saying that actually 
what comes out of our mouth. And, and Jesus says a similar thing in, in Matthew 15, 11, uh, here talking about the bad words. And he says, it's not that which goeth into the mouth that defileth the man. We think of counting carbs and calories because yeah. we don't we don't want to be defiled, our body to be defiled. That just that's a physical defilement isn't nearly as bad as the spiritual defilement, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. So you start out with this uh, proverb in Proverbs twenty, where it's kind of counterintuitive that it's what comes out of our mouth. But then it's interesting that word for satisfied, that Hebrew word can be used in a, a good sense. Proverbs 12, 11 talks about he that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. Proverbs 20, 13, uh, love not sleep lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. But it can also be used in a, a negative sense. So Proverbs 1, 31 says that he that he, uh, therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. That's not a good being filled with your own devices or Proverbs 14, 14 says a backslider shall be filled with his own ways and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. So, so uh, what we see is our words can be used for good uh, or can also be used for bad. That's great. We're just going to take a second and go right back to pastor. Just a second to go ahead and let our sponsors and stations identify us. Thank you. So going back to that pastor, we see the good and the bad and you know, go ahead on with that. I didn't mean to stop you. Sometimes we, we've got a window of a minute or two where we have to throw in a commercial spot for those radio stations so they can make some money off of this. And Yeah. It, we, and so that's where verse 21, we see death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So there's this, this real sense where our words uh, are almost like a hammer. They can either build someone up, or we can use that hammer to turn it around and use the claw to tear someone down. And so we have to be so careful. Are we are our words satisfying us in the right way, or are we using them in the wrong way? Yeah, there it is. And, and I mean, what a lesson. And, and that's a lesson that I need to hear every day, probably with the rest of you, is say, hey, our words, you know, what fruit are we putting out with our words? Is it bitter? Is it hurtful? Is it harmful? Are we putting something out that can make a difference in somebody's life? And uh, I, I'm so thankful for that verse there. And uh, I believe we're on verse number 21 now, and it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, boy, the tongue has a lot of power. We can read it throughout the Bible. There's hundreds of mentions of our what we say, what comes out of our tongue, what comes out of our mouth. Um, I think all instruments of speech are from, you know, are either from God or from the devil. Our speech is one or two ways. It's either edifying, building up, uh, pointing people to Christ, seeing people saved, preaching the word of God, or it can be the complete opposite of that, Pastor. I mean, it's our tongue can be death to people physically. It can be death to people uh, emotionally that day, whatever they're going through. It can be bad. Yeah, the... the um the interesting thing is we think about our words, and I remember when I was a kid, there was a nursery rhyme, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. The reality is words do have power. And so that's what we, we see in this proverb, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is, is powerful. It's interesting that word in Hebrew is actually the same word for hand. 
Uh, so it's almost like death and life are in the hand of the tongue. And the hand was, again, a metaphor for things that come into our grasp. They're under our power. What are we going to do with that? How are we going to use that power that each one of us has? Each one of us that has a tongue, that has a, the ability to put words and language together, how are we going to use that language? We have a lot of power. Are we going to use it to wreak havoc on relationships? Or are we going to use it to build people up and give them, there's a life-giving effect uh, to those who, who use their, their power, the power in the right way uh, they can give life to others. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, folks, it's, it's that decision. What do we want our uh, legacy to be? What do we want our words to leave in people's lives? And I think it's all the time, over and over again, the good fruit, the good words, the words of life, uh, the words of grace. You know, speak God's love, speak God's grace. Let people know it's God that does that. You know, people aren't going to find any redeeming quality in me. I used to tell people when I was in the Army, I could change a person for 24 hours maybe. You know, I could bring them in my office. I could scuff them up. I could yell at them. I, I could tell them that I was uh, disappointed with their workload, all those different things people went through. But when God gets a hold of a person, they can change a lifetime. They can, boy, God can grow somebody. You know, some of those seeds stick over there in Mark 5 and they grow. And, uh, and, and, and that's what our lives are about. That's what we get to do. And then this next verse we'll finish up with, Pastor, here. It said, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor in the Lord. So finding a wife, finding a spouse, that's a good thing, and it gives us favor in the Lord. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I found a good thing 39 years ago, and I know Pastor found a good thing. I don't, I'm not sure how long you've been married, Pastor. 20 years ago, yeah. yeah. So for 20 years, Pastor's wife's a sweet lady. I've, I've only met her a couple times at church, but uh, I know she works hard with our children at church and the ladies. But if you, if you find that spouse, um, if you, you know, let me say this. I always, I, I hate doing this, Pastor, but I always got to say this. I would rather be single wanting to be married than married wanting to be single. <laughs> so, so we need to find that good thing, that wife. We, we find them in church. We, we find them in Bible studies and groups. And it, it can be a blessing from God. It can be, uh, it, it's, and, and when God blesses that institution, uh, you know, that institution can bless others. When, when you come together, uh, boy, you can serve God in a wonderful way that you can't apart from one another. You know, my wife challenges and stretches my belief system. My, uh, my wife checks on me. My wife travels with me in the ministry, those types of things. It's a really good thing. And, and boy, it brings, we can bring more honor to God, Debbie and I together than we can apart. My, my friend Joe and I used to joke that we, we both were going to start a website for the Marrying Up Club because <laughs> we both had uh, married up, uh, not only looks-wise, but just uh, the, everything that my wife brings to our family, to my life, has been uh, so much good. And, um, and, and literally there, it's he who finds a wife finds good. So it's not saying that a wife is a thing, to, like a commodity, but it's that she is, is good. And, and so that's the, the favor of the Lord, that we are actually experiencing God's grace when we receive the gift of a spouse who loves him, a spouse who lives according to wisdom. And Proverbs is, is filled with examples of the great good of marriage, but also the hard realities of a bad marriage yeah. uh, that we could we could go through a number of, of proverbs and so we we want to to both as husband and wife 
be a, a gift to our spouse, uh, hopefully a good gift because we're living in the way of wisdom. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and you know, uh, what did God say? It's not good to be alone. It's not, you know, so as we talk about wives, husbands, spouses, uh, finding that right person. But again, finding that right person in the right place. I used to go to church, Pastor, and, and I'll end with this, but I think this is important, especially for our military brethren who are listening today. Uh, I got saved. Uh, a fellow died in my arms named Willie Vernon Watson. Willie Vernon Watson was a born-again Christian, always sharing the gospel with me, always telling me that he was happy because God saved him. It made my Jesus freak monitor went on. I mean, there was things. I didn't know how to handle Willie, but Willie was real. He was the one guy in the class. You didn't hear him swearing. You didn't see him wrapped up in sin. He seemed to love everybody. He always had a smile, a quick handshake, look you in the eyes. He was different. And, uh, you know, through that difference, it changed me. And one day we had a PT test together, and Willie's left ventricular artery blew right off the side of his heart. And uh, he died in my arms. I gave him CPR. I, I mean, he had a cut on his lip. I swallowed his blood. It was just as I was trying to give him mouth-to-mouth. And I'll never forget when when Willie died that day. I'll, I'll never forget uh all those different things that that happen as part of all that, and I, I, and but I will say this, and and this is so significant. We went to church, so a guy led me to the Lord, was a Baptist chaplain, and he took me to the Baptist church in El Paso, Texas. Some of you may have heard of Hillcrest Baptist Church in El Paso, Texas, uh, and there was a pastor in there named Stewart, Pastor Stewart, and I remember. Uh, I think it was Bob Stewart, but I, I remember Pastor Stewart. I, I got saved. This chaplain led me to the Lord and handed me a business card and said, this is your pastor. And I got home that day, and I, I called him and said, you need to get over here. I'm living with a reprobate. I didn't even know what I was talking about. Anyway, it messed Debbie up for months, but she got saved a few months later. I didn't even know what a reprobate was. Pastor squared me away. But I would go to church before Debbie got saved. There was about, a, uh, I guess, a 10-month period before Debbie got saved. She came to church with me. She it was a glorious day when God saved her. But I remember we used to, all of the ladies who married these men who just got saved, who said, I'm now right with God, I'm now saved, married me, whose husbands never came to church, which is 90% of the people who do that kind of thing. And so I caution you people out there to make sure someone's, uh, you're of the same yoke, you, you know. But I used to sit up front. I was the only man among that group without my wife. And there was like 10 or 12 ladies in that church whose husbands supposedly got saved, married them, and never came to church. Mm. So uh, I'll tell you, it's a good thing to have a spouse, but it's a good thing to have a spouse who knows God. Mm. That's so significant. Hey, folks, remember, we want to get together with you. So uh, if you want to talk about the retreat, just talk about the ministry. We'd love to have volunteers to partner with you to tell you about it. We'd like to meet with your whole family by Zoom. Make sure you contact me at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com. I'll make sure I get right back to you. We'll set up a meet, and we'll go ahead and do something like that. It's an honor. Thank you, Pastor, for being with us again. You don't want to miss tomorrow. We're actually bouncing our way out of the book of Proverbs. We're going over to Philippians for a little bit and just finishing up on something Pastor uh, Miller had said a couple weeks ago where he was talking everything needs to have a sieve, and I had mentioned that uh, it's a litmus test. So we're going to be talking about that sieve and that litmus test, uh, so you don't want to miss that tomorrow. May God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. 
First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.